0: What's up, guys? Welcome into today's OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we have a show I think you should enjoy. We are going to try to get some different names on draft week here. I got a couple guests that I really have wanted to hear from ahead of this draft. You've heard me do mock draft after mock draft and talk to some pretty similar guests, so I want to get some different opinions in the door, and I want to touch on some topics that still matter in the first round, even though the Browns don't have a pick because... There are curiosity points for the rest of the division and many other things. So have two great guests that I'm very excited about. I am traveling out to Vegas. As you're listening to this, I am in Vegas. I will have a show live from the Win studios uh, that blue wire has out there. I'm going to record a show. So it won't be live when you listen to it, but I'll record a show with Jeff Lloyd as we really get close to the draft, probably recorded on Wednesday, get it out Thursday morning of the draft. Be pretty pumped to share that with you. Um, yeah, so keep your eye out for that. We have great content coming up on the OBR all week looking at the draft from many different angles. You know, the 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 OBR's uh, mock draft as a group, round table, we're going to do some different things with uh, players available when the time comes. We're going to look at first round storylines. We're going to look at a we're going to get a first round mock. There's a lot of things, a lot of storylines even though the Browns aren't first pick, a first round pick. There's still a lot of stuff to hit on here, and we're going to do that at the OBR. Plus give you as detailed insight going into day two and day three as anybody out there. I'll be joining you live out at Las Vegas during the Twitch shows. I know Brad Steinbrook is out there with me. He will be joining live too. So make sure you're checking out the Twitch draft coverage that we have coming up for the first round, second round, potentially the third round. We'll see what shakes out. Anyway, have a great episode here for you guys. Enjoy it. Appreciate you listening. Let's get over to our first guest right now. Okay, excited to bring Shane Hallam onto the show. Shane does a great job with draft content, and I'm always looking for folks who give different perspectives than our Circle of Browns community here. So I wanted to bring Shane on. Shane, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, you ready for the draft, I would imagine, at this point, right?
1: I, I'm I'm ready. It's it's draft week. It's like uh Christmas Eve, just all wrapped up this week, man. I can't wait.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Tell tell everybody real quick, because I know it's the first time we've connected sort of what you do, where you do it, and the stuff you do for the draft specifically.
1: So I uh, took over DraftCountdown.com from uh, Scott Wright. a draft website has been around since 1997. I'm one of the managing partners over there, and we've kind of revitalized it. Uh, you know, I, I release seven round mock drafts uh, uh, almost every two weeks leading up to the draft and have full rankings. I have a big board of 400 players and uh, yeah, for the first time, we released a draft guide. So it's 190 plus pages. Um, I have 280 player comps. I have over 1,000 scouting reports, just kind of mini blurb scouting reports on every player that I've watched. So I'm hopeful I'll hit everyone that's drafted and almost all the undrafted free agents. It's free. Go over to DraftCountdown.com. Check it out.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Tell Tell me this. You've done some extreme study on this draft. So, so give me guys. This is a, let me let me start it this way. What is what is your thought of the draft class here as a whole? Do you, do you are you down on it the way some others are? Like, just give me your general feeling on this class compared to some other recent
1: ones. I I think it's a really good class in comparison to recent ones. I think the reason people feel down on it is you don't have that guy at the top. You don't have a Trevor Lawrence. You don't have a Chase Young. So I feel like that defines draft classes more than it probably should. This draft class is really, really good. Uh, Super deep. This is the largest draft pool that we've ever had because of the COVID years and players getting to return to school and getting the extra eligibility. So last year was actually the smallest. This year is the largest. What what that means is the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds are going to be stocked with talent. Those guys are going to make teams over fourth rounders last year. I think that's the key to this draft. There's a lot of depth. I think the teams with a lot of picks in those mid to late rounds are the ones that are going to win out. So I'm not down on the draft at all. I I think there's a lot of deep positions, a lot of good positions, and uh, I think there's some real NFL pros in here.
0: So tell me about some of those pros. We're always looking at classes that come later. You get four, five, six guys who end up being those first-team all-pro guys in a great draft. And I'm just curious. It seems like this is a weird year. There's not a consensus number one pick, almost the first time since 18 the Baker Mayfield draft, where really we're going to go up until the day of the draft Thursday with a lot of uncertainty around who's getting picked one. So I'm curious if you have some guys, maybe two, three, four guys, that you think these are the guys of this draft we'll look back on, see some all pros, see all those Pro Bowls later on.
1: I I still am in the, the Kayvon Thibodeau camp. He's been my number one player in this draft class since he was in high school. I'm not going to change it now. He's only gotten better over his three years of college, and I think he's just the best pass rusher, bar none, in this draft. I know Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker getting the talk. I mean, give me Kayvon Thibodeau. If he falls into the bottom end of the top 10, 8, 9, I think he's going to be a steal. I think he's going to be one of those perennial pros. That everyone's going to look back and say, wow, how did, how did, how did everyone – everyone knew this guy was the best. How did everyone pass on him? You know, why did that happen? So I'm still in the camp that he's going to be – an absolute stud. I think Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU is going to be, you know, an all pro. I know he had the injuries the past two seasons and sauce Gardner kind of passed him, but I think uh, teams are realizing the potential athletically and why he didn't live up the expectations the past two seasons. Like this guy ha- is, has legit talent. I think Derek Stingley is going to be, you know, a shutdown Darrell Revis kind of corner in the NFL, uh, and then kind of looking deeper into the first round, maybe in the second or third round, uh, Christian Watson, the receiver from North Dakota State, has been one of my favorites for a long time. And I wrote an article in early January draft countdown. I think his career is going to mirror Cooper Cup. I think in a, in a couple years, it's going to take him a little bit to get going. But I think Christian Watson, 6'4", 208, runs that 4'3". Uh much better route runner than he gets credit for. We saw that in the senior bowl. I think he is going to be a, an absolute stud guy that you don't expect to be a number one that turns into a number one and just, just blows the, the wheels off the league. So those are kind of the three right now, some different positions in the draft that I'm, I'm staking my claim to.
0: I love it. I know you do some work over at steel city. So I just did a mock draft. We do on our Tuesday night mock draft where we get fans involved. They vote. I do one simultaneously. And at 44, none of the receivers that I was in, really, really interested in were there. So I decided to trade back. Now the Steelers in that mock had taken Jordan Davis at 20, I believe. Did not move up to get their guy. So I have two questions here because this ties into the first round because we're trying to get Browns fans to still pay attention to the first round. still <laughs> matters, right? still matters. Yeah. So part A of this question is, do you think they're moving up for Willis, And at what point do you think they move up? We'll start with that question. Is Willis the guy for them? And do you think they're willing to go up to, say, 8, 9, 10 to get him if he gets past Carolina at 6?
1: I'll, I'll say this. I think Willis is the guy for them, but I don't think they move up for him. The Steelers okay. have moved up in the past. We've seen them move up for Troy Palomalu, for Devin Bush. They've made that move when they've really liked a player. I think they like Malik Willis. I think he's the guy. I think he's number one on their board. If he's there at 20, they're taking him, same as Najee Harris last year. But I think they're going to be happy with Kenny Pickett. I think they're going to be happy with Desmond Ritter. So if that's the case, if you don't have a wide gap between these quarterbacks, then you don't move up, right? You sit at 20. One of them is going to be there, and you take that player. I think they feel good about the upside of Willis, Pickett, Ritter, maybe even Matt Corral. Uh, that if they sit those guys for a year, you know, they coach them, then they're going to have a franchise quarterback. And if that's the case, you don't want to give up the draft capital and move up, and, and that's what I think happens. Willis is there at 20, they take him. If not, they'll take another quarterback.
0: Yeah, so that's what I was going to kind of get to in that draft I was referencing earlier. They, they actually moved up to 44 with me to take him at pick 44. Somehow Ritter got to 44. I don't think that's going to happen in real life, but they did. You have them taking him pick 20. You think that is the leading in-house option right now if he's there at 20 and they're sitting at 20? That's the decision there that makes sense?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think the board's going to be Willis, Pickett, Ritter, and so it just depends what happens with these quarterbacks of who they take there at 20. I mean, it'd be a dream. I think to get Jordan Davis at 20, I don't think he'll be there. <laughs> I, I think I think he would be in the mix. I think he's the one guy that might make them question Uh, you know, okay, maybe we can wait. Maybe we can move around, move back into the first, something like that. But um, yeah, I I don't think Ritter's making it to 44. That would be nice. I think they will take Willis if he's there. If not, pick it. And if neither are there, I think then Ritter at 20 makes a lot of sense.
0: Got it. Good stuff. Okay, switching over to the Browns now. When you've been doing these seven-round mocks, I'm sure you've had a couple guys that have stuck with them. Who are guys at 44 that you think are good fits for them that you kind of have found yourself giving to Cleveland over and over again?
1: You know, it's a little tough. It's tough to mock for Cleveland because we all know what that Andrew Barry and that front office like, right? They like young mm-hmm. players who have pretty, at least pretty good, if not great athletic ability. Uh, and it, this is a tough draft because you have so many older seniors. It's really going to challenge their model. One guy yeah. that I've kind of come back to for them in terms of just a fit in that way has been Drake Jackson, um, you know, the, the the edge rusher out of Southern Cal. Um, yeah. He's a player that I was super high on coming into the season after he kind of disappointed as a sophomore. And I thought he played well, but not great. But like the athletic abilities there, you see the pass rush ability. In terms of getting an edge rusher, I think he is one of the best options at 44. I think the, the value fits well. And he fits what they like in terms of a younger player with athletic upside. So he's, he's kind of that player I go back to again and again as, Oh, you know, this would make a lot of sense for them to take. Um, so I think that's definitely an option. Uh, you know, I think if, if we look at that wide receiver, um, I, you know, I don't know if they go receiver 44, to be honest with you, I feel like it might be something for later in the draft, but even training from Mari Cooper, it seems like that's a possibility I mean, Sky Moore from Western Michigan makes a lot of sense to me as someone who can play that slot kind of Jarvis Landry type of role, but gives you that plus athletic ability and movement ability. Um, I think Sky Moore, once again, value-wise kind of fits there. So he's, he's another one. And then the last one that I've mocked them a ton is DeMarvin Leal, the defensive lineman from Texas A&M. One time thought of as a first round pick. I think he has a shot, but probably going to go in the early to mid second round great career, good, you know, good pass rusher, but really good against the run. So a really smart player, could play that five tech, could kick inside the three tech. I mean, I think he has a lot of versatility to be a pass rusher, but also stop the run. I think he would be a nice fit. All those guys are juniors. All of them are young players. All of them are very athletic.
0: I'll close with this one. Good stuff so far. I, I'll ask, is there, having done seventh round, you know, seven round mocks for every team, I, th- I think that's what we're presuming you've done here. And I, I think, I haven't seen all of them, but, you know, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. You got to know a lot of players. You got to know a lot of team needs and you start to look at the deeper ends of this draft more than any of the average random mock draft users do. So my thought is like, are there some end of the draft guys who you're like, man, that guy's going to be pretty good and people don't know about him. I don't know if you have any sleepers from doing these that you really like, but I wanted to open the forum to you for that.
1: I, I, I have too many to count. Uh, right? Isn't that <laughs> how it goes when you do this? It is. It uh, is. Um, one of my favorites is offensive tackle Andrew Rupsich from Culver Stockton A College. I didn't know existed before this year, but now yeah. I've watched uh, I've watched multiple football games of. I mean, he is you know six six, long arms, three eighteen. He's like just this nasty offensive lineman who ha- has clearly not learned technique, but he has not had to. Just absolutely dominant every snap. And so when I see a really small school player like that, it's like, man, like this is a guy that could be something if someone gets a hold of him. Uh, so he's definitely a player that I really like in that, you know, seventh round range that I think would be really good. Uh, a defensive lineman I like who had a really good pro day is uh, Matt Henningson from Wisconsin. He kind of mm. has that Wisconsin strength. You know, you look at that country strong really has the lower leg drive, but uh, his, his athletic ability is pretty really, uh, threw me off because I didn't think he had that. And then you go back to the tape and yeah, he, he, you know, he gets off. He's pretty explosive. If you can learn to use those tools, I think he's a nice late round guy. That's uh, that's really intriguing to me. And then uh, at corner I'll, I'll end with, um, uh, I'll end with Gregory jr. From Wichita Baptist um Baptist is really intriguing player. Another high end pro day, 90th percentile athletic workout, five eleven, two hundred two. two Oh two he's pretty buff, pretty strong. Struggled at the senior bowl, but it kind of was a late add. I think he's a nice developmental corner, 7th round you could take that has some starting upside because of his athleticism and length. I think there's I think some nice gems in the 6th, 7th round this year.
0: Yeah, fantastic stuff, man. That is a uh, 3 3 I would I have not even heard of. So that's why we try to bring on different perspectives. If you hear those names called during the draft this weekend, you have Shane to think, "Listen, man, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, remind them of that. And I, and, and again, I want to say thanks for for joining today and giving us all this insight, man.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It's, it's always fun. You can follow me on Twitter at Shane P Hallam. You can follow draft countdown at draft countdown and I'll, I will be live streaming all three days of the draft. So if you're interested in actually on day three, especially hearing actual analysis of all the players um, you can tune in on DraftCountdown.com.
0: Love it, man. Thanks again, Shane. We really appreciate
1: it. Thanks for having me. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to
2: us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Really enjoyed that conversation with Shane. Hopefully you guys did too. Some names I had no idea about and uh, from universities I've had no idea about. So... Listen, that's what we're trying to do, get some in-depth knowledge uh, of this draft class uh, as we lead up to the draft, and I think he did a great job. We're going to get a little bit more of a Browns focus, going to bring on a guest to listen, I got a hold of him way too late in the evening. It's, it's, it's a little soft on the audio side, but uh, a guy who I respect and really wanted to get his opinion before the draft on players that he covets and wants in brown and orange. So let's get over that interview right now with Sam. Okay, excited to have Sam uh, Sam Penix join us. Sam, if you have not uh, checked out his work, he's over at Dog Pound Daily, does great work over there. Uh, some other places, some film studies uh, with with Pete Smith at Brown's Digest, some clip threads on his Twitter timeline at Sam underscore Penix. What's up, man? Nothing too much. Appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. It's late in draft season. It's uh, it's the grind time here. We're recording this late on Monday night. So we're both hanging by a thread here, but we're going to get some content out, folks. We're going to chat about this thing. I wanted to start with this. This this thing floating around, Sam, that the Browns are in a win-now window, like a real genuine win-now window. And Should they be more Ramsing this thing, right? Like, should they be giving up a second-round pick for somebody meaningful, trying to package something together for somebody important? Or do you think they need to continue to do? Because I know Andrew Barry's been very vocal about you know franchise it's like a franchise uh, draft like an expansion draft is how we view it every time and big long window here do you think that's the right way to go or do you think they should be trying to get more legitimate talent maybe at the d-line secondary edge another wide receiver are you comfortable with that stuff with the approach they're taking
3: i think there's definitely a balance to be found in between those two um I think that given the situation they're in as far as cap space and the the amount of contracts that they have through, I believe, 2025, um, they're positioned pretty well long-term. I mean, you have the franchise quarterback, assumedly, um, so as long as you have him under control, like you're going to be mostly fine. You just got to figure out how to fill in the other spots. Um, And as far as viewing the Rams as the model, I think they're definitely the exception, not the rule. Um, but that doesn't mean that what they did isn't repeatable. Um, they're obviously definitely an example of a team going all in, and it worked out for them. A lot of big contract guys, uh, draft picks, you know, it seems like they never have. I, don't, I think probably the last time they had a first rounder was 1984, um, and it, it's worked <laughs> out for them. I know they also had a lot of undrafted free agents on that roster. I think 13 was the number, so... Yeah, um, they're definitely finding talent in, you know, all the places that that they're looking. So that's definitely a, a method to copy for Andrew Berry. Um, I don't. Think that's a, that's a good point. They
0: don't. They're drafting so well late, right? Like right, guys that are second contract guys. They're drafting yep. with these third, fourth, fifth, and beyond. So yeah, go keep. Sorry, didn't mean to yeah, interrupt you.
3: Definitely, but... you you got to find those depth guys later on. Um, which is probably why we're seeing. You know guys like Richard LeCount and Demetric Felton who may not be playing big roles immediately, but have you know the talent to to be contributors down the line while they're backing up. Um, and then, then we have a lot of you know, the majority of our picks obviously are on day three this year, so um, it'll be interesting to see not only if we keep those, you know, all of those, but uh, you know what what positions we decide to address with those. So. I think there's definitely a balance. Um, we have, you know, a, a good amount of cap space coming uh, with the the post June first cut with Austin Hooper, and then um, assuming that at least nine million of that eighteen million of Baker Mayfield is going to get cleared at some point. So, um, you hope at least some it, of it. It's, yeah, yeah, I, that's the hope at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're in a good spot where they have the core of their team locked up long-term but they also have the flexibility with uh with money to be able to move some things around even if they don't have those first rounders the next three years
0: yeah good point i i think i think that's the thing there's there's some balance to be had there but especially when you've given up a first for three straight years you know not adding an elite talent you, you presume an elite talent in the first round over three straight seasons can have an effect. So you do need your quarterback to make up for some of that. But the idea of taking some other things, piecing together a way to get some short-term talents like that, you know, the Von Millers of the world at the right time at the right place, you kind of have to be opportunistic. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Barry weighs those things, you know, other guys that hit the free aid or the trade market, you know, the DK Metcalfs to get floated Debo Samuels. We know they were in on another cheap talent like Robert Woods. They're, they're there, they're floating it around, but they I think that expecting them to give up like, oh, they've given up first second and third round pick for a couple straight years seems a little seems a little too far for what they want to be. So I know that is some sort of it was something worth analyzing when you've given up three first round picks is trying to capitalize on a window of, well, we'll try to maximize using some of these picks that don't always net as much right they don't always net as much and not as guaranteed these lotto picks that go beyond the first 60 picks and try to turn them into something that is a known commodity so uh th- let's talk about some of those picks that we're telling the browns to keep here is four, seventy eight, 118 like are there some guys that you really 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 want to see in a browns uniform have you identified some i'd hope you're running out of time so let's hear who your guys are
3: well i guess it depends on which position they want to address. I feel like it's probably going to be wide receiver or edge. I feel uh, I would say are the, the two most likely positions. Um, I think they ideally wanted to go into this thing not being pigeonholed into one specific position at any of those picks. Um, but right now, you know, obviously the, the edge spot and the defensive tackle room are looking pretty thin. So that has a big influence on it, but also you're probably maybe not looking to or at least not expecting to find a starter or a good starter at forty four on the edge, because those guys usually get snapped up pretty quickly. But if you're looking at going at to you know going after an edge at forty four, you're probably looking at a guy like Drake Jackson out of USC who I know a lot of people are high on, and he, he, he meets all the guardrails. I'm not personally a, a big fan of him. Um, I just didn't feel like he really made a big impact on the game, and I, I just found myself losing track of him because he just wasn't noticeable to me personally. So I, I would maybe venture away from him at 44. Um, David Ojabo is getting a lot of talk about sliding, but I can't imagine he falls to 44. I mean, he's just ridiculously talented I mean I know he's gonna miss his rookie year but he's a top 10 talent in this class and those guys don't fall to 44 ever so he's probably not an option either so it's just it feels like the Browns are in a really weird spot with their picks where especially at 44 you're in that kind of no man's land where all the the premium talent is gone but maybe there's not any guys available at those specific positions that you feel really good about taking there. Um, but wide receiver is probably a bit of a different story. Um, you you could see guys like Jahan Dotson, um, maybe Sky Moore if he follows George Pickens as well. Although I you know he has some off-field issues um, that are maybe dropping his stock. So those three, guys as we speak
0: right now, yeah, those things are coming out.
3: Yep, coming out today this this morning. So. I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> You're getting closer to the, to the big night and that stuff comes out. So yep. we'll see what ends up happening with his stock. But, yeah, he's he's super talented. But so I'd say Pickens, Moore, and uh, Dotson are probably the three guys I would have my eye on if we're going a wide receiver there. And then if, if they wanted to dip in at defensive tackle, I would say Logan Hall out of Houston is an option. Um and I, w- I would take Travis Jones from UConn, but I doubt he's going to be there on the board. I think he's a really good player, but uh, he probably won't fall that far, unfortunately. And then there are some really good safety prospects as well, like Lewis Sign and Daxton Hill. And I know that safety maybe isn't the biggest need for this team right now, but you know Ronnie Harrison's on a one-year deal. And you can never have too many good safeties, especially for this team that likes to use three of them. Yeah, quite often. So I would definitely say that if sign and Hill are on the board, either one of those guys, they would be they would be an option and and could very well be the best player available, which is important.
0: Yeah, it's too like John Johnson's deal is. It's essentially this year that they can get out of it next year. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it next year? No, it's not next year. Maybe it's a post June one cut. I haven't looked at his contract. Yeah kind of I mean there's some ways out of John Johnson's contract I think they there want some to keep ways out of Nick Chubb's
3: contract too like you yeah. see these deals this team signs and it's like oh these guys are going to be here long term it's like well maybe not you know they they leave themselves flexibility
0: yeah for sure that that's what they've done here with with John Johnson is it's a 23 13 million dollar cap hit but you'll obviously see them convert that 8 million base salary into a bonus or they'll decide not to keep him if he has a bad year because he was poor to start the year but got better i do want to see them add something at safety that would be a good idea so I you know agree. that's that's that those are your areas i think those those players were were buzzing around are pretty much the names i'll I'll let you have here as we close are there any late round guys like people you've studied maybe a tight end or something of that nature that you just really want them to make a leap at see them as a long-term piece
3: uh, I like Bo Melton out of Rutgers a lot. I think um, he's underrated. His, his stock on a lot of draft boards is is pretty varied, but usually he's a fifth round and beyond guy. But he's got four three speed. Um, he's a, he's got a, a a nice feel for route running, and I think he's just a he's just a really talented player who is getting overshadowed because of the school he played at, and I think. If you can get him on that day three, I think he could be a really good value for this team. Yeah, um, I like Daniel it. Bellinger, I know at of San Diego State has has got a lot of talk because you know he basically checks all the boxes for this team. Um, he's a tight end. This team likes tight ends, and he's really athletic. So that's another guy that I've got my eye on for them. Um, and then Alex Wright, I think is he's his stock is not what it should be in my opinion I think he's definitely more of a late second early third talent Um, but often he's you know sixth seventh round a lot of boards and I think that if they miss if the Browns miss out on you know one of these elite edge talents I think he'd be my preference um, to bring him in and then as far as you know other defensive positions I think that um, Yusuf Corker out of Kentucky is a, a nice safety prospect that I've I've been looking at for probably close to a year now. Um, he's just he's got some nice range on the back end, and I think he should probably be available sixth, seventh round. So, like, if they haven't addressed safety at that point, I think definitely adding a, a true free with some range would be a good idea.
0: I like it. I like it a lot, man. There's going to be so many good options. I like getting people's opinion ahead of the draft to see which players are catching their eye and then obviously bring folks back in after the draft to see if, you know, this shook out the way they're expecting or they passed on somebody or they took the guy that you were really hoping for. So always want to get Sam's opinion. Appreciate it big time, Sam. Uh, I know people will continue to find your work on Twitter and uh, Brown's SI Digest and Dog Pen Daily. We appreciate your time, man.
3: No problem. Appreciate it.
0: And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks to Sam. Thanks to Shane for joining the show, taking their time. Always appreciate that. Thanks to you guys for listening. Big week. Tons going on. Can't wait to be out in Vegas and cover this thing for you guys live. Appreciate your support as always. Cannot wait to break down the picks as they happen. And even talk about that first round where there's going to be a lot of drama unfolding. Potentially movement of players that matter to the Cleveland Browns. We'll keep our eye closely, closely peeled on that one. So, Check it out. Next episode that will be of a more modern, uh, more recent variety will be your Thursday episode, Raleigh, like I said earlier, will be with Jeff Lloyd. Can touch on any news that has happened in the Tuesday-Wednesday time frame. So check that episode out. I'll have it up for you Thursday. And then before you know it, it's Thursday night and it's the draft. Been a fun prep up to this draft, man. Really, really had a blast with it. Thanks to you guys for checking out this episode of the podcast and the website and the Twitch Thanks, guys. Have a great day and go Browns.